I want to share this morning from Matthew uh, chapter 6, verses 24 to 34. Matthew 5 through 7 is known as the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, it's a long collection of Jesus' sayings. And halfway through, he shares this with the gathered crowd, beginning in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. If I can get this to work. Here we go. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is God's word. Despite all the references to worry here, this is not like Bobby McFerrin's Don't Worry, Be Happy, if you remember the 80s. This is not just Jesus saying, you know, just don't worry, be happy, everything's going to be all right. There's a, a, a call in here, a command in here. Says, I know, as I look out at this crowd, he says, that so many of you are worried about where your next meal is going to come from. You're not sure you're going to have enough for the day or for tomorrow to take care of yourself. I know that you're anxious about so many things. And I want to share with you, Jesus is telling them, the antidote to worry. And the antidote to worry is not just to stop worrying. It's seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. You worry about prioritizing God, seeking him first, putting him above everything else. You worry about that, and he will worry about your needs. He will take care of your needs. Again, it's not just stop worrying, guys. It is the antidote to worry is seeking first God's kingdom and his righteousness. You focus on him and he will take care of you because look at the birds, look at the flowers. God cares for his creation and he will care for you. So my challenge for 2023 and my question for you this morning is simple. What is it going to look like for you to put God first? What is it going to look like for you to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness? If that is what Jesus looks out at the crowd and says, listen, seek first his kingdom. Don't go running after the things of this world. Doesn't matter how much you have, you're still going to worry about them. You worry about seeking first his kingdom and he will worry about you. What's it going to look like for you in 2023 to put God first? This question that I'm asking, it calls to mind a principle from the Bible that goes way back to Exodus. Remember that in those days they were much more of an agrarian society living off the land and 
throughout the books of the Bible and the Old Testament, you see again and again this principle called the principle of the first fruits. That God commands the Israelites again and again to bring them the first of their harvest. You sow, you wait, and then you reap the harvest, the first fruits. You bring them to the Lord. You bring them to the temple. You bring them to the priest as an offering to God, the first fruits. Let me share some of the verses where this shows up. Exodus chapter 23, verse 16. Celebrate the feast of harvest with the first fruits of the crops you sow in your field. Leviticus 23, 9 through 10. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you enter the land I am going to give you and you reap its harvest, bring to the priest the sheaf of the first grain you harvest. Ezekiel 44, verse 30. The best of all the first fruits and all of your special gifts will belong to the priests. You are to give them the first portion of your ground meal so that a blessing may rest on your household. And then in Proverbs, it sums it up very well. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. So way back from the very beginning, God has instituted this command, this principle, this first fruits principle, that as they gain their crops, whatever comes in, the first of it, give it to the Lord, bring it to the priest. Bring it to the temple. Bring it to the tabernacle as an offering to the Lord. Why? What would be the purpose of that? I could think of three purposes. First of all, it's a recognition that everything belongs to God. That everything you see around you is the Lord's. And that if he has, if you've grown a crop, it's because he has given it to you. He has offered it to you. He has entrusted it to you. And so bringing the first fruits to him is a recognition this is from you. It's not just something I did on my own. It's from you. And very much related would be number two, gratitude. Not just a recognition, but a gratitude. Thank you, Lord, for your provision. Thank you for your gifts. I mean, think of that mindset. It's a mindset that says everything that I have is not mine. It's, it's his. It's a gift from him entrusted to me. And so I will bring the first fruits to him. And then thirdly, it's a display of trust in God. The first sheaf, you know, the first grains. Instead of taking it to feed your family, he says, bring it to me. That's an act of trust, right? It's an act of trust. That I might be hungry, but I'm going to bring it to him as an act of trust. That this first fruits is his and he will take care of me. He will provide what I need. Now, we no longer live in an agrarian society. Some of you still maybe live off your land, but many of us, most of us, don't. But this principle still remains into the New Testament and is worth reflecting on this morning. That in Matthew 6, you see Jesus telling those who are listening to seek first God's kingdom, to put him first, to prioritize him. And when they do that, he says, God will take care of their needs. Seek him first, prioritize him. He will take care of your needs. He contrasts it with living for money. He says you can't live for both money and God. You can't serve two masters. So live for God and he'll take care of the money situation. He'll take care of your needs. So to go a little deeper, what this means for us, recognition that everything belongs to God. Listen to Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 4, 7. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? 
And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Think about that for a second. What do you have that you did not receive? Everything is the Lord's. And anything that you think you own, you don't really own. It's his. It's his entrusted to you. What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? As if somehow it was by your own doing. Even your ability to work hard is a gift from him. A body that works well is a gift from him. The job that he's provided you with, if you have a job, is a gift from him. The home that you live in is a gift from him. And so again, related to that, gratitude. Show gratitude for his provision and gifts. If it's not just something that you did, that you earned, that is all yours, it's a gift from him, then show gratitude, recognizing that it's a gift from him. As James says in 117, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. What would it look like for you to adopt that mindset and recognize that everything that I have is a gift? Even my abilities, even my character, anything, it's a gift from him. Every good and perfect gift. If there's anything in my life that is good, it is a gift from him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your gifts. And then to display our trust in him. This principle of first fruits, that whatever is mine, I offer the first of it back to him. Again, it's a display of trust in him. Again, remember what he said in Matthew 6 there, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. In other words, he's saying you're supposed to be different. If you believe in God, if you believe that Jesus died for your sins, if the Holy Spirit lives in you, you should look different. And that you are not so wrapped up and so consumed with all of these worries about the world and how you're going to feed yourself and how you're going to put food on the table. But instead, he says, you concern yourself with seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And he will care for your needs. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And in Psalm 50, as he says, I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens, for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. This is the same God who instituted the sacrificial system. And so you read this and you go, well, what does he mean by that? It, it, it says to me the sacrificial system is not about him. It's not that he needs your goats and your bulls. It's not that he needs your money. He needs any of that. It's, it's about your heart. That the sacrificial system or the first fruits, it's about your heart. It's not about what he needs. He has everything. Everything belongs to him. It is about your heart. That if your heart is wrapped up in the things of this world, if your heart is living in fear that I need to keep this bull and not sacrifice it, if I need to keep this money and not sacrifice it, not give it, not tithe it, then our hearts are living in fear. Our hearts are living with anxiety. It's about our hearts. It's not about what he needs. He has everything. It's about freeing your hearts from fear, from greed, from any of that. Living in a place of gratitude and trust. That my heavenly father cares for my every need. So what does this look like practically for you? Then, okay, if if I'm asking the question, what's it going to look like for you to put God first in this year? Think three ways. Time, 
talent and treasure. Maybe you've heard it put that way before, that God has entrusted you with time, with talents, with treasure. What does it look like to put him first? What will it look like for you to give him the first fruits of your time? Because I know how many of us are. If there's any time left over, it's yours, God. If there's any time left over, it's yours. But what does it look like to give him the first fruits of your time? This is the first day of the week. Start the week focused on him, worshiping him every Sunday. To start your day somehow with your eyes fixed on him, seeking him. Out in the lobby, we've put out a bunch of devotionals. If you don't have a devotional of your own, you're welcome to take one. I send out a daily text message with a scripture and prayer prompt. If you want to join that text group, you can let me know. It doesn't have to be those ways, but what is it going to look like for you to prioritize time with him over all the things that need to get done in your day? Think of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Yes, Mary. Yes, Martha. There's so much to be done, I know. But what is most important is to prioritize me and to spend time with me. And I can take care of all the things that you have to get done. I can find a way of ordering your steps so that you can get them done. Or think of the disciples at Pentecost, ready to go out and proclaim the good news. And Jesus says, wait until you are clothed with, spirit, with the Spirit from on high, with clothed with power from on high. Wait until the Holy Spirit comes. Don't go rushing out trying to do all these things without the power of the Holy Spirit. What is it going to look like for you to give him the first fruits of your time this year? What is it going to look like for you to give the first fruits of your talents? Again, maybe you've got all these abilities and gifts and you use them in, a secular, in the secular world or people around you, but where, how can you use them for his kingdom? How can you use the gifts he's given to you to build up others? Think of 1 Peter 4.10 where Peter writes... Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Is there a way that you can use the gifts that he has given you to serve others here in this church? Helping to teach in Sunday school, helping to set up in the coffee ministry, helping to greet people at the doors, writing for the weekly newsletter, cleaning, leading a community group, praying for others bringing a meal to others, writing a card to encourage someone, calling someone and lifting their spirits, whatever it might be, if God has given you talents and gifts, how can you use them and give the first fruits of them to God? And then treasure. What is it going to look like for you to give God the first fruits of your treasure this year? Paul in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8, he writes this. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. In other words, I read that as saying, as you are generous, God will entrust you with more to be generous even more. Because he's searching for those who will give their first fruits to him. Who will love others the way that he has loved them. Who will be generous to others. And as you are generous to others, as you step out in faith in that way, he will make sure that you have what you need. So that you can be even more generous with others. If you just wait until you have enough and then you can be generous, you're going to be waiting a long time. But if you give him the first fruits, tithing, giving generously to others who are in need. He promises to care for your needs. He promises to make every, give you everything you need to abound in every good work. What is it going to look like for you this year to prioritize him, to give him the first fruits of your time, to give him the first fruits of your talents, to give him the first fruits of your treasures, to see what he will do when you put him first? I know this is not easy. And it, it might take baby steps, and that's okay. You don't need to dive full force into something. But where do you find this trust, this, this ability to trust God, that if you step out, that he will care for you? Well, there's a couple other examples in the New Testament where he talks about the first fruits. One is in 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul writes, If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam <coughs> all die, <coughs> excuse me, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own turn, Christ the first fruits, and then when he comes, those who belong to him. In this passage, Paul talks about Jesus as the first fruits of God, that God gave his best to us, his son. And he is the first fruits of those who fall asleep. The, the promise of what's to come. That we have life eternal with him. That nothing can ever take us away from him. And so in Romans 8, Paul says, What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? If God gave his first fruits, <clears throat> if God gave his son, his best, his one and only, then we can trust that he will give us what we need. If while we were his enemies, he gave his best, then while, now that we are his children, how much more will he give us what we need so we can step out in trust and give him our first fruits? And then Romans 8, he also references the first fruits again. It says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So now here he talks about the Holy Spirit as the first fruits. We have the first fruits, the first deposit of the Spirit. That we don't have God in his fullness. We'll have that when we are with him forever. But now we have the first fruits, the first of the harvest. The Holy Spirit, God's presence in us. So if you are struggling to trust him, to prioritize him, to put him first, to seek first his kingdom, trusting that he actually will take care of your needs. Remember this, that he has given his best in Jesus, the first fruits. 
And you have the first fruits of the Spirit in you, His presence. He has already given the first fruits to you. And now He asks you to give Him your first fruits your time, your talent, your treasure. What is it going to look like for you in 2023 to seek Him first, to put Him first? Amen. So as promised, I want to give an opportunity for testimony. If there's anyone who uh, has something that they want to share as they look back to this past year or look forward to this coming year, anything that the Lord did, anything that you feel would be an encouragement to the body, I want to give an opportunity for that. Um, It's always an act of trust to open up the microphone and let anyone come up. Uh, And so if you do come up, please use it accordingly, uh, focused on him to encourage others. But I'm going to sit down. There'll be an awkward moment of silence. uh, And then if someone's brave enough to come forward, you are welcome to come up and share.